0: Thank you for joining this episode of A Psychic Story. We have Julie Ryan on and I'm super excited to have you hear from her because not only is she a medical intuitive, but she has been doing years and years of spiritual and intuitive work with people and she lives every day among us. And I know that sounds like, well, what does that mean for me? And the difference is, is that she's somebody that we can talk to and we don't necessarily know that that's somebody we can talk to. And right before we started recording, she mentioned that she looks into the woo-woo-ness of it all, but then also brings the sound and the realistic aspect of things um, to everybody's everyday lives. So I just want to say thank you for joining us on the show today.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
0: So where we like to start out is always in the beginning, how you knew that you wanted to be on the path that you're on and how you knew you had a gift. And if there was anything that you would want to recommend to somebody, if they were looking into this type of life path, what they should do?
1: Sure. I didn't know I wanted to do this. And I didn't know I had a gift. Well, really, I think a lot of psychics and mediums have opportunities when they're small, where they're Spirits, or they're communicating with spirits, or or sometimes there's an event that happens that's a catalyst. I am, I like to say I'm on an I'm an inventor, Nicole, and a businesswoman who learned how to do woo woo, and I'm a buffet of psychicness. <laughs> so I learned how to do all of this stuff. I am not one of those psychics who's had dead people chasing her since childhood, or if I did, I didn't know it, let alone what I would have done with it.
0: But I think that's perfect for the people that are listening, because that's exactly what, for me at least, the reason why I have the show is to explain that it's not necessarily that you define yourself as a psychic, or that you grew up and all of a sudden you could see dead people, right? That's not the point. The point is, is that You then decide because we're all spiritual beings having human experience here on earth that you want to embrace more of your abilities on the natural path of things, whether or not that's what society says that you should be doing or not, right? That's the difference. So I think that's very helpful in a lot of ways for people that are listening because they don't necessarily know if they are experiencing these sorts of things, what to do with it.
1: Well, I think we all have the capability. We all experience psychic or intuitive phenomena. And most of us, unless we know differently, we just discount it. We think, oh, that's just my imagination. And certainly we've all had experiences where we think of somebody and we either get a call from them or we run into them. And and we may say, oh, my gosh, I was just thinking of you. And we think, oh, what a great coincidence or serendipity. Well, no coincidence or serendipity to it. You were on their frequency and that's why you're seeing them or talking with them. And I believe that we're all connected. Every every one of us, every spirit, every gosh, every plant, every animal, every person, every spirit that that is connected to a human or Just in pure non-physical, we all have a frequency and we connect into those frequencies. And that's how we're able to communicate with spirits that are connected to a human body and those that aren't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter time. It doesn't matter space. It's just all about the energy and that frequency.
0: And you mentioned, and I didn't mean to interrupt you on this part, but when you said that you didn't know as a child, but then you grew into it. What does that mean? Like, how how was that process?
1: I learned how to be a psychic and a medical intuitive. I went to school. And actually, I teach this to people all around the world. I have a class that I teach. My next one starts in February. And I, I say it's like if you teach somebody how to read, Nicole, they can learn whatever they want, if they can read. And my premise is if I can teach somebody how to communicate with spirit, both alive and deceased, they can take it anywhere they want. They can be a healer. They can do past life stuff. They can talk to spirit guides. They can talk to their deceased loved ones. They can talk to pets. They can do whatever with it. And and they can do all of it. That's why I laugh and say I'm a buffet of psychicness (laughs) because I do all of it. And so that path was I had a friend give me a book called Anatomy of the Spirit by Carolyn Mace, and it's about comparing Judaism and Christianity and um, the Muslim faith and how they're all basically saying the same thing. And she called herself a medical intuitive. And I thought, what the heck is that? I had never heard that term before. And I'm an inventor of surgical devices, Nicole, that are sold throughout the world. And I have had manufacturing companies manufacture those devices that I've invented and
0: I saw that and that's amazing. That just like gives yeah. me tools. Yeah.
1: And I have founded nine companies in five industries in the past thirty years. So I truly am a businesswoman. I'm a I'm an entrepreneur. And so I was always involved on the hospital supply side of the equation as far as healing and and medical providers go. So when I heard the term medical intuitive, I thought, oh, my gosh, I want to learn more about that. So this was 26, 27 years ago, and we really didn't have the Internet like it is today. And certainly Amazon hadn't been founded yet. So I did the old fashioned thing. I went to a bookstore.
0: What's a bookstore again? Sorry. Is that that like a library?
1: Yeah, like a Barnes and Noble. I went to a Barnes and Noble and I went in specifically to see if there was anything else about medical intuitives or energy healing. And a book that caught my eye was called Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan, who's a former NASA physicist who parlayed quantum physics, principles and theories and terms and all of that into understandable English for somebody who has a non-scientific mind. That would be me. I read her book and I thought, ah, this is interesting. I want to learn more. So I called her school. It was on Long Island at the time. It's now in Florida. And I said, do you have any graduates that are teaching classes where I live? And lo and behold, there was one. And actually, I saw her a couple of days ago. I I studied with her for six years formally. And 25 years later, I still talk to her at least once a month. I say, I zap on people all over the world. She's the only one that zaps on me. (laughs) So I studied with her for six years and really paid the equivalent of, of a graduate degree the equivalent of going to medical school, really. And so I started doing this really with a lot of effort and time, full-time, I would say. In 2015, I sold my medical device manufacturing company in 2015. So certainly by 2016, I started doing this, where it's pretty much the full-time thing that I do now. I do have a couple of companies that are still going in different industries on the side, but they they run themselves or they have people that run them. So I get to do this this energy healing and and energy work with people all around the world and get to talk to fun people
0: like you. Well, that's amazing that you can do that because I've always said you don't need a job. You need a source of income. Right. And do what you love. And it's cool to hear, though, that you said that you were looking at and you saw that there was medical intuitives 20 years ago, because to be honest with you, I haven't heard of that quote unquote term, especially being in the PR industry where we spin everything, we market things that mm-hmm. term until recently. I don't know if it's because that's like the new thing to do because it's wellness. And I'm not one to knock it by any means. I just feel that people need to understand qu- what it means. And the fact that you went to school and you spent all this time and effort into it, what goes into it? You know what I mean?
1: Well, I think we've certainly had healers since the beginning of time. And I I believe in the Bible, it talks about that when Jesus, you know, they talk in the Bible about Jesus's early life. And I am no, by no means a Bible scholar. I was raised Roman Catholic, so I'm really not a Bible scholar. I mean, I hear Bible readings at church on Sundays, but that's about the extent of it for me. But they talk about Jesus's early life and then they, they pick up when he's about 30, I think. And then they talk about his role as a teacher and all of that. But in that time, when he's a young adult, there are many stories about that he was in Egypt and other places, and he was learning healing modalities and methodologies, certainly the Kabbalah healing um, modalities of which I learned, which is an oral tradition taught in the Jewish faith. And it was only taught to rabbis over 40 years old who were married. And it's so powerful that it's not written down anywhere. It's only orally taught. So, there have been shamans in every culture. They call them different things. certainly the the Salem Witch trials, not only in Massachusetts, but also in Europe when they had um they were doing healing things to people. And then, uh, as allopathic medicine has come up, that has been pushed to the side. But I think allopathic medicine, Western medicine, as we know it, is not working solely for a lot of people. And so, Where people are reaching out to find out, okay, what else is there that can be an adjunct to my going to the doctor and them doing all these tests on me and giving me a bunch of medicine and whatever else? Certainly, I think there's a place for both. I think the work that I do as a medical intuitive and an energy healer complements Western medicine as we know it.
0: And so what I'm hearing from you, and I just want to unpack that and let me know if, if because I don't want to misrepresent what you're saying, but is that we have always had these healing capabilities and these experiences through time, whether or not you're, depending on your religion and your background and everything else. And the difference is, is that we've kind of lost our way with it. And now we are trying to find our way back And as a modern day, modern day society, we're almost trying to redefine what that is, because I think that's for me, the biggest thing is that, you know, people will say, well, here's this smoothie that's going to make you 20 years younger. Here's this person Mm -hmm. you can go to that's a medical intuitive that's going to help you with X, Y and Z. The fact Mm -hmm. of the matter is, is that it's always been here. It's mm-hmm. just maybe defined differently, or maybe you haven't heard of that term before. Is that accurate?
1: A- absolutely. And I believe as we've become more well educated as a as a society, as a civilization, we've become more scientifically based that we want to see proof of things and energy and things, energy healing, and some of these these different methodologies that have been around since the beginning of time are have been pushed to the wayside because academia has said, okay, well, we need to do double-blind studies and all that kind of stuff. Interestingly enough, though, Nicole, I'm on the board of a foundation called the Soul Phone Foundation, and it's research that has been done at the University of Arizona with a guy named Dr. Gary Schwartz. He's a PhD, brilliant guy, and they have proved unequivocally of the existence of spirits And they can communicate with spirit and they have a device that communicates with spirit that they are in their second generation, getting ready to go to their third generation. And they're getting ready to start, I think it's a 12 university studies, 10 or 12 around the world with some of the best known university names that all of us have heard throughout our lives. And so Dr. Schwartz is getting ready to actually publish some research that will absolutely verify that spirit exists and spirit can we can communicate with spirit and he's got a device that does it so it's been really interesting
0: I can't wait to see that or or hear about it and see it in in its um you know full entirety because for me the biggest thing that I it's like hard to explain but we are all energy we are all beings we -hmm. exist only in the physical realm because of the way the atoms and the protons are vibrating at a certain rate, right? When you then take that away and you can't quote unquote, see something with your naked eye or whatever else you tend to question it. But in reality, there's a lot more realities than we even know exists. So it's very cool to hear that he is, you know, experimenting and going to be able to show that that is something that's, um, actually true, right? Because most people question it.
1: Well, think of all the things that we use every day that we can't see the energy that the other thing that's really interesting about this too is, is if you do research on it, certainly every big country's intelligence department in, in the US, it's not only the the, um, the CIA, but the military and, and industry, they all have psychics, Doing what's called non local reality or remote vision or remote viewing. And they can, they, there are people at the CIA that have done this for decades, if not longer, that can remote view other countries and see what their missile silos look like and what.
0: A CIA, if you're listening yeah. to FBI, you can totally hire me. I'm hireable. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't yeah. tell anyone that I am on your payroll. Right. But if you can. Yeah, no, I, I always right. I always wondered that I really did. Anything I don't want to, Yeah, like, I didn't yeah. want to be like conspiracy theorists. But it, mm-hmm. in my mind, the fact that somebody actually is on that payroll and the cold cases and all the other things oh, that just yeah. happen to get solved.
1: Well, an industry has people, have departments of people that do this too, like Apple and Microsoft and those guys, all those big tech companies. There's a lot of people that do psychic work in Silicon Valley. And they're, they're kind of a, in a think tank environment, but they're developing new technology kind of along the lines of what Dr. Schwartz is doing at Arizona, at the University of Arizona. They're, they're all into that. They're trying to figure out, okay, how do we develop devices that can be marketable so that people can do that? The, Dr. Schwartz is saying that within the next 10 years, he believes there'll be a phone app that we can use to communicate with deceased these loved ones.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely going to have to have him on. That's fascinating to me. So when you watch TV shows, and I'm not one where I have an EVP or I do any of that that stuff, right? I normally go for my gut, my intuition. How is he actually tracing that information, like that information and that data? Is it all about the energy and the physics behind it?
1: That and also asking questions that are getting validated. Okay. That, that there's no way. They're asking questions that there's no way. They would know the answer to. For instance, if you go in and uh, you call in your grandmother, now I do this, you do this, I, whoever somebody wants to talk to, you know, some mediums will say, well, let's just see who shows up. Well, Why? Well, who do you want to talk to? We just call them in.
0: By the way, I don't just want anyone showing up. Just so you know, it's not like my house is an open party. (laughs) Then you can just come in.
1: Yeah. And I turn my abilities on and off at will. I don't walk around standing people or talking to dead people. I think it's an invasion of privacy to do that. Uh, What I do is there was a woman recently who's a client. She wanted to talk to her grandmother And so it was this morning, and uh, so we pulled her grandmother in. I said, what did you call her? She said, Grammy. Great. We called Grammy in, and Grammy had some messages for her, and one of the messages was she wanted her to bake Christmas cookies like she used to do with her when she was a child, and certain shapes, and certain recipes, and she said, I know you have my recipe, and I want you to make it exactly the same, but I want you to have a party, and I want you to have people over to make Christmas cookies. Because it will get you in a spirit. It will make you feel warm and fuzzy with the smell of the cookies. You'll know I'm with you, all of that. And this, this client of mine, Nicole, burst into tears. And she said, oh, my God, that was my number one most favorite thing to do with my grandmother. That was the thing that I always did with her when she was alive every year. That was my most favorite day of the year was when we baked Christmas cookies.
0: So, so she knew that. And that's how, that was, that's how it resonated. Instead of just asking a generic, are you my grandma? Are you not?
1: No, no, no. I had another woman recently whose parents had both died fairly recently. And I think close together and she had their ashes and she said, let's find out what they want me to do with them. And they said, scatter them in Yosemite. And she again burst into tears and she said, that's where they were married. Well, Okay. Aww. So stuff like that. I mean, right. that's, it's called being an evidential medium mm-hmm. where you have information that comes in that the person, and it's specific enough that the person says, okay, that's absolutely my mother talking. That's absolutely my grandmother.
0: There's no way that somebody yeah. else would know from that.
1: Yeah. in my, one of my classes, I guess it was last summer. I have people from all over the world that take him, and we do it online on a Zoom video platform, Nicole, so we can all see each other. We're in a virtual classroom for a couple of hours, four Saturdays in a row. And one of, the, one of my students was a retired rocket scientist, and he was working on some theorem, something that was very complicated, and he wanted to talk to Einstein. So we called in Einstein. Einstein gave him, and the whole class, we all witnessed this, I think gave him all this really scientific physics stuff that I I didn't know what it was. And it was exactly what he needed to solve that problem. So we have access to infinite intelligence by asking. And so that's what I teach is how do you communicate with spirit? How do you validate the information you get?
0: So that's fascinating though. So um, just for anyone that's listening, for example, like you tuned into Einstein for example, yeah. and he gave information. Was yeah. Einstein getting the information because he was so intelligent himself or was he getting it from another realm or is it a combination of both? I think-
1: combination of both when i am working with a client or somebody on my show I have a radio show that's a call in the podcast is a call in and i'll usually be able to get 10 to 12 people on a week called ask julie ryan and and i think it was last night actually when we taped my show my latest show and we don't think it was last night that one of the callers wanted to know about her spirit guides and so we called in the spirit guide and the spirit guides all show up to me Nicole, and they, they look like versions of father time. Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings movies or Dumbledore in the Harry Potter movies. Old man, long white hair, long white beard, that kind of thing. And then they morph into what they look like in the lifetime that they live. Do all spirit guides look like father time? No, that's how they appear to me so I know that they're spirit guides. So Spirit guide morphed into this woman who was she? They I, they give us their name, where they lived, what the year was, all this stuff. And this woman was just somebody who reminded me of Grace Kelly in the seventies. Somebody who was just you would look at this woman and you would say this is just pure elegance and pure class. And that spirit guide was with this woman who had called in to help her learn to trust her intuitive skills and her inner abilities so that she could do it with grace and with ease because this gal was just learning medical intuitive work and she was so unsure. And so this spirit guide was helping her along the path of you know, of um, learning how to be self-assured. And even if she wasn't self-assured, learning how to, to act like she was and look like she was and integrate that into her, her being. And and so spirit guides, what they do is they'll give us thoughts in our heads. that come in telepathically. And this gal who called into my show said, well, yeah, just out of the blue, I had the thought to call into your show. And I looked at the clock and it was about time and I did it. I said, well, that was most likely from your spirit guide. That was a thought that they put in your head. They don't care. There's no judgment about it. They're not going to force you to do anything. They're going to prompt you with thoughts of things that you can do to to help you on your path of what you want to experience in this lifetime.
0: Yeah, and I think for what I'm hearing from you is that not every day. I mean, we all have our spirit guides and our angels, and I'm a firm believer of that. Whether you choose to believe it or not, that's um, neither for me to argue, right? For uh, Mm -hmm. listeners, but I just believe it because it's a knowing in in my being. But Mm -hmm. the fact is, is that I do think that there are certain people that have lived on this earth in this lifetime or this plane that have had different capabilities like Einstein. Mother Teresa, others, right? So when they then transcend and what we had wanted to talk to is like, what does it look like when you transition from this life into the next life? What does that mean? And not just for the quote unquote special people, because we all are special, but what is the difference in the path? In my mind, and I'm just going to guess before you say it, is it's just the evolution of the soul in terms of where where we are at, and um, what vibration we're frequencing at.
1: Well, everybody goes through what I call the 12 phases of transition. Okay. And that is a process, whether it happens instantly, like in a suicide, homicide, you drop dead from a heart attack, you'll hear that sometimes or somebody's killed instantly in an accident, or whether it takes days, weeks, months, years. There's a gal that has that called into my show for two years and her father with Alzheimer's was in phase 11 of 12 he was ready to go any minute and it took him two years to do that so it's a configuration of angels and deceased loved ones that surround us and are there to welcome us to heaven like I call them the welcome to heaven committee (laughs) kind of like the old when I was a kid growing up they had these this club of ladies called the Welcome Wagon Committee, and they would bring a basket of goodies to a new neighbor when they moved into the neighborhood. So this is this is a play on that, the Welcome to Heaven Committee. But as people are getting closer to death, Nicole, say angels and deceased loved ones assume different positions. For instance, angels surround the person who's dying in a circle. And then as the person gets closer to death, they open up into a horseshoe, eventually taking up a straight line that the person who's dying at their feet. And they act as the line of demarcation, if you will, between the spirit world and our world. And so when somebody is close to death, I have seen many, many times, there are literally hundreds, if not thousands of spirits there to welcome them. And those are spirits from all different lifetimes they are dressed in different periods they it's just amazing what happens and and i can normally identify to the family okay there's an elderly woman that looks like this here's a here and even pets show up that the person had throughout their whole life when my own mother was dying and that's what my book angelic attendance is about It's it's full of it's about what happens there's there's lots of information out there nicole about Near death experiences and the afterlife and and things like that, but not really anything that I had found about what happens as we're actually dying from the spiritual side of the equation. Because I think that's something we're all really afraid of, and so that's what my book's about. And it, I see this this scene with these angels and just these loved ones, and and it reminded me when I first saw it with my mother of a prayer. As I mentioned, I was raised Roman Catholic, and I'm still a practicing Catholic. A prayer said at the end of every Catholic mass, funeral mass, that's called in paradisum. And it talks about the angels and your loved ones will greet you and lead you into paradise. And I thought, holy moly, that's what I'm seeing. And when I researched it, when I was writing my book, the best I could find is it originated as a 5th century Gregorian chant. So I have to believe that we as humanity have been able to see this psychically in our mind's eye since the beginning of time, and perhaps it took till the fifth century for someone to be learned enough. Certainly, some of the most well-educated men at that time, you know, or men that were educated, were in monasteries, and uh, somebody who was well-educated enough to be able to read and write, and they wrote this chant that has become a prayer. And it talks exactly about what I see with this, these 12 phases of transition. So it's really fascinating. I think every culture and every religion, if you go back to the really old stuff, they all are saying the same thing. They're all talking about the same thing. Well, Pretty much all of them have angels. All of them have spirits, <laughs> So-and-so appeared to so-and-so and and gave him a message.
0: And What I find so intriguing, though, is one of the common threads, and maybe it's just because my guides and angels are directing me to people that have somewhat similar backgrounds, Mm -hmm. is that a lot of the intuitives and people that I've spoken to have Roman Catholicism or Catholic backgrounds. I was baptized Catholic. I'm not a practicing Mm -hmm. Catholic in the sense that, you know, where it's very strict. You go to church and everything from that standpoint. But mm-hmm. I also just feel like the prayers and like what you were saying about the, um, the chants and everything else that was brought in to me, that's so power. Like there's something so powerful. There's about all religions. Absolutely. But about the Catholic religion for whatever reason, that to me, I also find it a dichotomy, right? Is that you're supposed to be spiritual and religious, but at the same time, not be with the Catholic religion.
1: Well, I think I think the old school was you do what the church tells you to do and you don't question it, you just do it. Well, that fear has been used to control the masses since the beginning of time. And if you go back to the early Bibles, I mean, they've been translated so many times and certainly different popes and different rulers at the time made it into a patriarchal kind of a thing. But when I am in church on Sundays, I'm sure people think, oh, she's so reverent because her eyes are closed. No, I'm watching (laughs) the show from a spiritual standpoint of what's happening. And so I think it's a matter of finding a church that that resonates with what you want to here, we're very fortunate in our parish because we have two priests that are just fabulous. My book, they both tell me that they have my book on their nightstand next to their bed. And and they give it to people who come in who have lost a loved one and they're planning funerals. So I think that spirituality and religion have always been intertwined. And I think Catholics, I went through 12 years of Catholic school we're taught about saints and angels. But yeah,
0: so I guess that that's what I am asking is from a religious standpoint, um, for example, my roommate, he's from India and his family are is very open in terms of when they pray and how they experience like food and everything else. And that's not necessarily mm-hmm. the Western culture. So I guess for me, when I'm looking at it, um, that I find it odd from the Catholic side of things and the Catholic religion that to me, there's a lot of intuitives and people that are psychic in that quote unquote religion. It's different. If that makes sense. Like it feels almost like a different thing that I wouldn't necessarily say that um, would be embraced by the Catholic church.
1: Well, I think it is. If you look at the history of all of it and, and we're brought up with angels and saints and pray to St. Anthony when you miss something. And I think as I And as we've become more well-educated and our society has become so fast-paced that we've lost a lot of that. It used to be, we always prayed before meal, always, 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 always. And there's research that shows that it changes the molecular composition of food. When you, you know, if you want to eat a Twinkie, (laughs) there have been studies that if you're praying over it, it's going to change the energy of it. If you say, hey, you know, in your prayer, I want this to benefit my body in a healthy way. There is a molecular change when the energy of a, something as simple as praying over food and blessing it to our bodies happens.
0: I'm still mad that I haven't won a Pulitzer Prize from when I did the <laughs> um, the music. So I did classical, rock, and some other sort of like pop music with a scientific, you know, um, thing for my class. And Yeah. I'm like, that totally changed all of the, and the crystals and the water and everything else. And I got like number two. I'm like, well, that was cutting edge, like, I don't know, 30 years ago or however long I did it. So um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time because I know that it's extremely valuable. But for you, I mean, I just think that overall it's been extremely helpful for me to hear from somebody that is in the medical community and does this for a living and can say, all right, this is what I experience and this is what I have experienced. So what would you, if there was like anything that you would want the listeners and you have your own show to like hear or just have it resonate with them that you would want them to take away?
1: Well, as far as from a medical standpoint, everything can be healed. Certainly every ailment can be healed. I watch healings every day on people that energetic healings that emulate what I saw in operating rooms for all those decades when I was in and out of surgeries. I watch things getting added, things getting removed. I watch healings happen that utilize methodologies and devices that I don't believe have been invented yet. And the energy healing happens in the energetic body and then the symptom relief, as an example, can be felt immediately. It can take days, weeks, months. It may need some kind of complementary care like physical therapy or surgery or change in diet or whatever. But the healing happens on the energetic level and then how it integrates into the body, into the physical human level is always that person's spirit's prerogative so that it. And the healing can facilitate what that spirit wants to experience in this lifetime. And oftentimes there will be a change of not only symptoms, but I have watched new organs that were diseased get regenerated with stem cell energy and they show up on the x-rays and the MRIs of the CT scans, and it's not unusual when that happens for that person's doctor to call me and say okay now what is it you're doing with my patient and how does this work?
0: (laughs) Yeah no I can totally understand that and well understand it in the sense that it makes sense that they are flabbergasted because it doesn't necessarily make sense in their world but how do you feel about the heart and mind? And the connection between that, because I have an opinion and I know that the medical community just came out recently with something that they mentioned. And for me, it was not surprising, but it was for the rest of, of the community.
1: Well, it's all attached and our heart has its own brain. So there's heart energy that, that goes out and, and that there's been lots of research done on that.
0: So So it's not a trick question. It's just I didn't know if maybe you had a different opinion. But what a lot of the medical community has said in the past is that the mind and the brain controls the rest of the body. But what they just released recently in the last few months is that the heart actually sends more communication to the brain and controls the brain overall. And so now there's a refocus on the heart,
1: well, I think if you think back on your life, you hear about people who are, quote, brain dead. You don't hear anybody that's heart dead. But if you, your heart's not working. You're not alive. So that, I think that just is in a nutshell. It gives you, gives you all you need to know right there. But I also want you to remember that in the medical industry, that it takes on average between 17 and 20 years for things to filter down into the mainstream. So there's like the statin use and and cholesterol isn't formed from necessarily eating fatty foods. It's formed from inflammation from foods that you eat. And the inflammation is what causes the plaque in the arteries. So that's all been debunked 20 years Mm -hmm. ago. But the statin industry and big pharma is worth billions of dollars in sales a year. So it takes a long time for that stuff to filter down. What I'm seeing though, Nicole, which is really interesting, and those are people that find you and find me, are people who are saying, okay, I've I've seen seven doctors, I've gotten seven different diagnoses, I've gotten seven different treatment plans. I
0: There's something else going on. Yeah.
1: Something else is going on. They're not getting to it. I don't have anything to lose by trying this. And then we nail it in short order. And a lot of the time, it's something that's pretty simple, but... Our medical community has been taught over the past 150 years that the body is segregated. And to your point about the heart and the brain, it's all related. It all works the same. So, you know, if you've got something going on and you're seeing a cardiologist and you're seeing a pulmonologist and you're seeing whatever, whatever kind of ologist, and then you can look at the body as a whole. That's what the functional medicine doctors are doing. That's kind of a fairly new area where functional medicine doctors will reverse engineer the symptoms and look at the body as a whole, what's causing these symptoms instead of just medicating the symptoms. Let's figure out what's causing them and let's fix it. Um, That's what I do. What, you know, here here are your symptoms. Let's see what comes up. And, And I connect to the person energetically. And in my mind's eye, it's like I'm a human MRI. I can see broken bones, torn ligaments, viral infections, bacterial infections, cancer, whatever.
0: I found my person because you're the only other person that I've seen or talked to that actually can see that.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I, I see it. Yeah, in my mind's eye. You know, I mean, one of my, I have, grandsons by marriage and when Sam the man who's now 11 when he was four he fell off the swing set his mom called me my stepdaughter and she said Sam's holding his arm can you scan it and I said yeah it's broken it's above his elbow on his right arm I said I'll meet at children's hospital <laughs> in the ER and I did and she walked in and she told the doctor that's where the break was and you know they came back and they looked at the x-ray they're going What? my husband was in the hospital three weeks ago with pneumonia and I took him to the emergency room, and they did a chest X-ray, and they admitted him. And the doctor came in, and she said, we did the chest X-ray, and we're not seeing any pneumonia. And I said, well, it's just not showing up on the X-ray. Do a CT scan, and you'll see it. <laughs> so she looked at me kind of weird. My husband was laughing. And so they did. They did a CT scan, and she came back four hours later, and she said, you were right. It didn't show up on the X-ray. And my husband laughed he said you should have just talked to
0: my wife enough like <laughs> Well that's happened to me in the sense of um, pets which I can't say I means it's, is not like your husband obviously but where I've taken my pets before and I'm like they're not feeling well I know they're not and I've paid hundreds of dollars and they're like they're fine, they're fine and then all of a sudden I'm like well you just give them X, y and z and then they do and then they're fine and they're like, how did you know? And it's just, yeah. But for me, so I guess for listeners that haven't experienced this before, and I think that this would be super simple for somebody to do, is when you talk about scanning your body. So what I do when I'm working on somebody, but if you don't feel comfortable working on somebody else, you can do it on your own, is you're laying in your bed and you literally either start from your feet or your head and you just mentally picture your body almost going through this scan process and if there's a certain spot that feels different or off to you then that's where you focus on and to me I thought everybody honestly could do it right when I was growing up I was like oh I see black spots here I see this this and this this is like a normal thing that's not necessarily the case for most people So is when you say in your mind's eye, is that how you see it? Because I just see it more as like an area I need to focus on where it sounds like you may find more detail or get more detail because of your medical background.
1: I'm like a human MRI. I see body parts. I see disease. I see broken bones. I see viral infections, bacterial infections, yeast, overabundance of yeast. I see toxic you know, chemicals, I see mold exposure in the person's energy field. It's, it's like I'm a human MRI.
0: Okay. Well, if you don't mind, we don't have to necessarily use this for the show, but um, can you do one of me?
1: Sure. Yeah. Do you want to use it for the show? Yeah. I mean, is there something in particular that you want to...
0: No, I just, um, you know, I feel like I'm super weird. <laughs> so there's nothing that I would feel... I will be completely honest with the listeners. Whatever you want to share with the listeners, I'm fine with. So whatever you want to say.
1: Yeah. So how this works is I raise my vibrational level to the level of spirit. I turn it on and off at will. It takes me a nanosecond. I'm going to close my eyes. You're in Atlanta, right? And, I'm, and I am uh, in Birmingham. So I'm a couple of hours west of you. And so I'm watching a laser beam come from my body here in Birmingham, hooking into you in Atlanta. And I have a hologram of you in my mind's eye. So I'm shooting energy from your feet up through the top of your head. And the hologram that is used then turned around to the back. So I'm seeing some inflammation in your back, in your upper back in particular. Inflammation looks like red fog over body parts. So I get that calmed down by applying anti-inflammatory energy to get that calmed down. And I'm going in, so I'm going up into your neck. Are you having discomfort in your neck or your are your shoulders, like uh, your the back of your shoulders, your upper back?
0: My whole back's messed up. I All have right. a curve in my back, so yeah.
1: I was just going to say, you've got a curve. I was just going to tell you, you've got a curve. Yep. So, and it curves to the left as yep. I'm seeing it. you're right. So what we're going to, what we'll do is we'll do a healing on it. We'll fix it. Everything
0: oh. could be fixed. Awesome. By now the way, work. I told my mom this when I was a child. I was like, I have a back issue. And she's like, no, you don't. And then we did the whole thing. And then they actually showed at school. And she's like, oh, my God, I feel so bad. But anyway, uh-huh. so, Mom, if you're listening, we're going <laughs> <it> to correct it today. <laughs> Thanks to so-
1: yeah, how it gets corrected, and I do this a lot. It, believe it or not, those curvatures, and what what I'm talking about to your listeners is if you look at somebody's spine straight on, if you're looking at their back, it's supposed to be straight up and down. When you look at somebody from the side, certainly there's that curve in the neck area, but the spine is supposed to be straight up and down. Correct. So what I've done, Nicole, is I have a, an energetic rod on the right side of your spine, one on the left side of your spine, Your spine's been heated with an energetic laser to make it pliable, comparable to a potter that's molding clay, for instance, into a bowl. So the rod on the right side is stationary. The one on the left is very slowly moving towards the right. And since your spine is pliable now, it is going to line up. And it lines up in a groove that reminds me of a sliding glass door in a you know, I going out to a patio or a deck or something, it has a groove that it's in. So when this rod on the left hits into that groove, okay, it just went into the groove and it locks in. Now your spine's being heated again with a laser and then once that happens it it solidifies it similar again to a potter firing their whatever their creation is, bowl or vase or whatever.
0: As you're saying this, um when you mm-hmm. said that it aligned I actually moved my body to the right and mm-hmm. you had no idea. And when I moved my body to the right and aligned it, then that's exactly uh-huh. when you said that it aligned.
1: Yeah. So I watched it get into the groove and then your spine is fired up again, like with a laser, it's heated again to solidify that healing. And then those rods fall off and they disappear. They just go down to the sides reminds me of if you've ever watched a rocket take off from Cape Canaveral, how the <laughs> rocket tower, the launch pad, you know, just falls off to the side as the rocket becomes airborne. That's what it reminds me I'm of. I'm
0: literally shifting my arms to the right and left. So if anyone can uh-huh. hear me, I'm going like this. And the point is, is that I'm just shifting the energy off. So it's very cool that you're picking up on that as I'm doing it. Yeah. Because I'm not obviously telling you this and you can't see me because I purposely didn't do Skype.
1: (laughs) Right, right. So that's an example of what I do. The other thing is, and this may be the most important part of the healing, Nicole, is that energy that comprises the body and the spirit needs to be in some type of a container because our spirit is the power source for the body which is why when somebody dies and their spirit separates from their body, their body doesn't work anymore. So the container as I envision it, as I perceive it, is what I call the energy field membrane. And it reminds me of really thin, stretchy saran wrap, and it looks like a bag. And it's a plastic bag, and the energy is in there. So when I see it tear a hole in that plastic bag, that membrane, it's allowing an energy leak. Energy leaks always precede any kind of medical whatever. If it's simple or, or complex. And they're caused by some type of emotional event, either in this lifetime or a past lifetime. And the analogy that I use for this is imagine going to the pet store and buying a goldfish. They're gonna put it in a plastic bag of water in order for you to get it home. Well, if there's a pinhole in that bag and water is draining out a drop it at a time, for a long time, that fish is gonna be just fine. But when enough water drains out, that fish is going to be in trouble. And that's right. the same thing that happens to the human body. So I go into that tear or hole, and I'm shown some kind of a scene. And as soon as we illuminate whatever that was, that emotional event, doesn't even matter if the person remembers it. Certainly if it's a past life, they probably won't. As soon as we illuminate it, it that tear or hole in the energy field membrane repairs, shoot energy through the person one last time they're working on full power and that helps the body return to health return to homeostasis maintain health if there isn't anything going on most of us will have a terrible hole uh, in our membrane usually after the age of about 15 so if you're game I'd like to fix yours
0: my mind is blown and I was just thinking I need to book a session <laughs> Because what you're saying is exactly what others have told me is that there's something else going on and I have no idea, whatever that, that has to do with, not for the show in this episode, but I'm happy to share it with the listeners after the fact and to see what happens for sure.
1: We'll have a whole hour to do a deep dive. We'll reverse engineer it and see what's going on. It's wild. So
0: cool what you're doing and the fact that, and again, I want to be respectful of your time, but what you're doing is there's the phys, the psychic and the intuitive ability of everything. But then when you mm-hmm. add on the layer of the medical aspect, to me, that just it resonates so much more. It's not a credibility. It's just more, it makes sense in my mind because I can understand the physical and the spiritual and the mental. And so, it's
1: more validatable. Yes. You, know, you can validate. Okay, yeah. I'm scanning somebody for the first time, I don't know any of their symptoms, and the energy goes to their right knee because there's inflammation there and they're saying, holy mackerel, yes, that's where I have pain. There's no way you would have known that. You're not with me. You've never met me before. You've never talked to me. I didn't give you any information. So I think the physical combined with the psychic or the energy work is you can validate it. You can verify it.
0: Exactly. Is there anything? So if you were going to be listening to the show, and you wanted to take away two or three things, what would you say that are the most important that you would want somebody to um, write down and, and just keep with them?
1: Number one, everything can be healed. The body has a tremendous capacity to heal. And number two, that when we transition from this life into the next, that it's a glorious event. And, and it's a glorious event that happens simultaneously with what is oftentimes the most heart-wrenching thing that any of us experience when we're losing a loved one. And we all are going to be there someday. So that's why I was prodded by my spirit guide, a dead pope, to, to write this <laughs> book and put it out there. I had a debate with him at the time. I said, look, I'm a businesswoman. I'm not doing that. I'm gonna, People are going to think I'm
0: nuts." Well, if anyone wants to find out more information about you, where would you like them to go?
1: Everything's at askjulieryan dot com.
0: Okay, and then you have a show that you mentioned earlier. The
1: show mm-hmm. Ask Julie Ryan. It's available wherever they, wherever anybody downloads podcasts. It's on YouTube. It's on Alexa. All over. I think we're on seventy networks. So wherever you download podcasts, you'll find it. Ask Julie Ryan, and it's a call-in show, and we do it at most Thursdays, pretty much every Thursday, except next Thursday because it's Halloween and then in November we're not doing it on Thanksgiving either but I pre-record shows with interviews which are fun but people call in from all over the world last night I had somebody most of the callers were from America but I had somebody from London in the middle of the night calling, and somebody from Toronto and you know they call in from all over and they ask questions that are medical related pet career love life talking to a deceased loved one i mean it's just all across the board and it's really fun we have a ball
0: well i would say i don't have favorites but i do have one and that's you talking to you today thank you so much and um so anyone that's interested julie ryan everyone i will add it to the show notes and you can go there Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at apsychicstory.com.